live from the Pathway Studios in Johnston proper. You are live from the path. Live from the path, we're uh, coming from the Pathway Studios here at Johnson Proper. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what it's like. I think it's great. Fair to say, Ben? Yeah, yeah, no, you know, I mean, you can speak on your own behalf. I okay. just can't, I just, you know, I don't mind going to make promises on everybody else's behalf. Right, if somebody else comes here, they're probably not going to enjoy it, but like, I like being no, yeah, okay, that's fair. Okay. That's fair. All right, here's what we got in the show. Uh, uh, Booba, you, you, Booba's got some Pope style. We haven't done Pope style in a long time. No, uh, no one has, has been inadvertently mistaken uh, for his pontiff recently. Uh, and sure enough, of course, sh- sure enough, uh, Booba's ego falls in, and, <laughs> <laughs> and someone has, has taken him for Pope. Uh, I mean, you got a preview on this Pope style, Booba? Uh, yeah. I, uh, so I was uh, I was teaching youth group this last uh, this last week. Um, and uh, so I go into the youth group, and I usually have at least some iota of a plan yeah. uh, and, and kind of have an idea of what I'm going to talk about. But I really, really enjoy, and the kids love it when they can derail me. It's like one of their favorite things to do. And so they, they make fun of me a lot because it took us maybe two years to go through the first 15 chapters of Proverbs, and we never actually got through them. <laughs> and then they went, hey, we're bored of this. We want to get out. And I'm like, ah, I can dig on that. I'm not going to force you guys to do something you want to do. Like, yeah. I'm trying to do my best. So uh, we've actually been going through Mark because I've got uh, quite a few new kids in my youth group. And so I really like to start them out if I've got a lot of new kids with a gospel. Um, I think it's a good idea to kind of get just a, a general idea of Jesus uh, underneath their, their belt. And, and before we can jump in, thank you, Ben. Uh, before you can jump in uh, to too much stuff, I, I mean, I, I like to just kind of get an idea of, you know, here's who Jesus is. This is what we believe. This is That's what we're an intro to, to Pope style, Booba. Get it moving. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> Fine. Well, okay. Here's the deal. So I got derailed this weekend, and it was a really, or this week, it was a really cool deal, and I was really excited about what they wanted to talk about. And I realized that I am asking the wrong questions uh, of my faith with God. They are asking some of the right ones. Awesome. All right, good. So that that, that sounds interesting. Was, was that a better intro, Ben? Yeah, I mean, that's that way better. better. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you did on Tuesday for supper, though. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't give that detail. Ben, would you like me to go into that and talk about what I did for dinner I, on I Tuesday? I have to wait to see whether that's the right question or not. I don't want to get pulled I into always ask the wrong point. questions. <laughs> yeah. that's, a, that's a valid point. That might, that might be the right question. I just am not sure. It's delicious. Uh, uh, <laughs> let's see, let's see. Well, okay, so we're gonna do that. Um, we got a, we got a handful of topics uh, that otherwise we might quiz Dane about. Uh, he just held uh, here at Pathway Church. Uh, they held the the Real Men Conference, and uh, I'm kind of interested to see how that went, or at least um, uh, Dan's. If Dan had a key takeaway for Dan, ooh, uh, from the Real Men Conference, so put the thought on that, uh, and then uh, he can otherwise uh, we'll point you to where you can kind of uh, catch up on. Um, uh, some of the speakers and stuff uh, from the conference and go check that out. But uh, we'll, we'll see if Dan's got a core takeaway. Um, and then he's, he's got some, uh, he's got a brew. I, I don't want to say witch's brew because it gives the wrong connotation. But he's brewing something up um, in Zimbabwe that sounds super cool. And so if we have time, we'll get to it this week. If not, at the very least, um, we'll touch on it maybe a couple weeks from now. Um, and it might even be something maybe you can uh, get involved with. Uh, we'll, we'll see. So we'll, uh, we'll talk about that. I also came up uh, a, a couple of articles there was a um, 
There was an article in Christianity Today that said, to reach unsaved Christians, first help them get lost. Um, and I, I, the core thing, which is, uh, I think struck a chord with me, was um, we live in, in such a time, um, and this is this varies geographically, um, but, but where people don't know they're not Christian. Yeah, yeah. Right? I was thinking, you wouldn't hear that term in the first century. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. And you're an unsaved Christian. What? Yeah, it's not a thing. It's not a thing in the first century. Like, yeah. there's, there's a clear dichotomy, and, and frankly, like, what, what Jesus offers and what, say, Rome offers or what the religion of Greece offers um, are so markedly different. Um, there's not like a—it wasn't culturally cool to be a Christian. <laughs> um, and I, I'm not sure it was super culturally cool ever, but, like, um, there, was a, there was an expectation, like a moral load to behavior and to who you were, um, and an expectation that you, you were— uh, a Christian could be in reverence to uh, how you think the nation is founded, to your parents, uh, to the very expectations of the, of the society around you. And so one of the problems then is it's very difficult to, to tell good news to someone who's under the impression they've already heard it. Yeah. Um, and so that, that's kind of what the article was about. And I thought um, it, it's an interesting discussion. He, he kind of lands on distinctions between being a pastor and, say, uh, California versus in the Bible Belt. But but I think that distinction, or that's probably an extreme example. If I think about us in the Midwest, um, I think you run the risk uh, as a combination of the two things, um, where it's not so far outlandish where, like, um, the Christian is totally obvious and then atheism otherwise or other belief runs so rampant that it sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, but then you, you and you may not have it to the extent that the Bible Belt has it, but I think you do have the same thing, right? Like the, this expectation that says, oh, yeah, I'm— uh, as far as I know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, and like so, when people are talking about things that might land on me real like a ton because I believe it, and and then piss off a guy because he doesn't believe it, this middle person is like, oh yeah, that's just um, you know, seems nice. <laughs> huh, yeah. And so anyway, I, I thought we'd uh, spend some time on that article. It sounded kind of interesting. Um, I also was uh, interested. Is anybody giving um, anybody giving up anything for Lent? What were you doing Lent? No, Boo was not in. Dan? Uh, well, I'm in the middle of a fast, so I suppose. Uh, yeah, I guess. That was pre-Lent. You're just going to tack it on. Dan gets credit for Lent. I mean, I go more than 40 days. These wimpy <laughs> Catholics. <laughs> um, all right, all right. Well, and I, I seem to think that we did this a couple years ago, but like they've collected again the top 100 um, uh, tweets on Lent, on what people are giving up for Lent. Oh, okay. that should be so interesting. I'm kind of interested to see what people are giving up. So Cigarettes. So, yeah, yeah, whoring around. Like, you know, yeah. like really... <laughs> People are not, you know, not even trying anymore. I, just, <laughs> I cut my porn in half. Let's try that, you know, slicing it down. Hey, did you guys see? I, did, I didn't even see this. I, I did, it took a few days. Was it your eye? <laughs> did I not have said whoring around? No. I don't feel like you should. Thing? I'm sorry. It threw me off. I just wasn't expecting it at all. Okay. All right. I'll try to keep it. I, I, I didn't give up, you know, salty language for Lent. Um so uh, so anyway, I, uh, I had no idea this even occurred, but did, did you guys read the article or see the news story about someone having Trump sign a Bible? What? I saw a little clip oh, on it. Man. It's, it said, uh, President Donald Trump signed copies of the Holy Bible at an Alabama church last week while visiting an area that was ravaged by tornadoes that led to the deaths of more than 20 people. What? Here's the deal. I'm not going to read the rest of the article. So let's, can, can we stop doing this? Can we stop having people sign Bibles? I don't even care that it's, it's, it's not even a presidential thing. I think this came up before when we were talking about like uh christian bands and stuff that's yeah, weird yeah it's weird 
Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, I, that's I, the I only thing we need to have stop with you, it. though. I mean, it's like you're gonna if you do your arm, it's gonna go away. I mean, it's gonna be washed off. <laughs> have you, you done this, you, Dan? No, no. But, Dan, have you ever seen the movie Step Brothers? Uh, I've seen okay. pieces of it. So you're you're making the same argument as someone getting uh, Randy Jackman, Jackson's signature from American Idol on a samurai sword, <laughs> because you're not gonna not get Randy Jackson's <laughs> signature. And so, why else would you not have a signature on a samurai sword? It's not a, a compelling argument. You just don't have their signature on well, something. I'm going to be honest. I, I don't really see the value in a signature anyway. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I mean, it proves you met a guy, I guess. Uh, yeah. check, check who out, cares, though? I don't care who Check you out met. this sweet NIV. I met Donald Trump. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> nobody cares who I met. I mean, <laughs> does that yeah. value your life? Oh, you met that one person. Like I, I think it's cool if it's relevant to the person. Like, if, yeah. I have a, if I have a really like a book that I enjoy and I meet the author and I have them sign, it makes sense. Or like if I have a concert ticket and I meet the band and I have them sign it. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it may not mean anything to anybody else, but I think it could be kind of cool. cool old, but like, yeah, yeah. I don't know about meeting the president and then having him sign my Bible I, or anybody. And this might be a weird decision. Maybe this is a weird distinction. But like, I'd be, I feel like it'd be fine to me is if you tore out a page. I mean, not Hezekiah or anything. But like, <laughs> just, <laughs> Hezekiah. part of the, part of the Bible, yeah, yeah, Bible but, dictionary at the end or something. Israel 27, you know, Isaiah, like, no. You sign this map on Israel. Yeah, yeah. So it's so like, like one, of the, one of the blank pages on either end or something. Here's King Herod's temple. Here's Solomon's temple. Was, Solomon's it was temple's over, oversized. It was bigger than the Lord's tabernacle. Go ahead and sign that up. So, so like, okay, I don't really get Because the, the, the pages themselves aren't holy. I get it. Right. Yeah. But, like, I mean, a permanent signature of some dude in my Bible, like, I don't want any part of it. I don't care who it is. I, I don't want you signing my scriptures. I don't, you know, you know it what, feels though? wrong. It would have been cool. I never thought about it until now. I could have had uh, Dr. Foster in Cincinnati. He, he was a, an interpreter in the NIV uh, on that committee. It would have been kind of cool to have him sign it because he actually worked on it. Okay, I can see that a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I just, I but again, no one would care. Right, I was going <laughs> to say, like, if, if you said, hey, Buva, do you want to come see my signed copy of the NIV from one of the original interpreters? I'd be like, Dan, no. no. I don't want to see that. No, Is it no. by Mark? I'm going to go home. No, yeah, Foster. Exactly. I'm going to set up, hey, I, I have Peter's signature in this. I'm be like, holy cats, that's cool. That's, that's a right. sweet deal. That original Aramaic, I like that style. Let's do this. Uh, that doesn't look like Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I see him much more bold in his letters. <laughs> anyway, Cuneiform? anyway, I, there's like a there's a there's a, a, a fracas <laughs> on either side yeah. of this thing. I just uh, primarily because it's him. Uh, I don't care yeah. that it's him. I care that it's anybody. And like maybe I'm being a Pharisee about this thing, but like I've, it's a it's a hard no. It's a solid no for <laughs> right. me. Sign something else. Right. I, I, okay. When when Danielle was a baby. My her Cheryl's Cheryl's dad was a photog- photographer in Kansas City. A big time football player was Christian Akoya at the time. Yeah, led the NFL in rushing like several. I mean, just a beast. Dad was taking the pictures. He held Danielle on his lap. He he gave us uh, an autograph that for Cheryl to give to me. So I have this autograph on a piece of paper, and and I I, I, I probably still have it somewhere. But it's like I threw it in my drawer. It's like I mean right. I, don't, I don't know what you do with. I mean. Nobody yeah, like cares. Some people frame that stuff and stuff like that. But yeah. if, it, if it isn't that important to you, then yeah. Whatever you, I mean, you can remember it always if you sign Job three. I guess that's the thing is like it should have gone away completely, and you stop thinking about it. Except for when I want to study the word, right? And this dude, this dude's barks in it. <laughs> I mean, we're kind of hypocrites. We're surrounded by things that have been signed by bands, right? But now. it's not uh, my well, Bible, you know. right? Agreed on that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's not my Bible. We have a we have a drum head yeah. over there signed, not the from Bible. a guy who plays drums. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I mean, you tear out the page, it's fine. 
I don't care. But I just signing the word so that when I open it up to study the word and I see your goofball signature in there. Reminds yeah, me but of if you tear out the page, you can't even read it. It's not even there. Yeah, what page are you like talking about? Like at the beginning when it's like yeah. deaths and marriages and stuff like that. No, most uh, of those Bibles, almost all Bibles have like uh, blank pages on. on yeah, the, the end sheets. Like one or two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, tear yeah, tear okay. that beast out. I don't care. Oh, fair enough. Or that, or notes. Some people provide a notes section. Fine, do that. But just it, keep I mean, that with you, just in case like, you run into somebody famous. It's like this is signed <laughs> by President Donald Trump, and it's also signed by Randy Jackson from American Idol. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be insane. I'm thinking I if it's like a blank. It's a very expensive piece of paper, though. Who cares if it's a Bible or if it's a torn out piece of paper? If it's a blank sheet, doesn't matter if you signed it. Yeah, yeah I can dig on that. I, no, I, I, I can't stay in. I don't want it as in. As long there. as you're not like scared of some portion of Revelation, you rip that part out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, uh, oh man, that dragon scares me. Rip so, President Donald Trump. So, the beast. <laughs> wait, wait. So, Booba, you're all right. If it's a blank page that's in the scriptures, as it's attached to the Bible, you're fine with it as long as it's a blank page? I think, I'm, I, think I can dig on that. I, taking it out makes sense. I don't know about like keeping it in my Bible at the very end. That way, I can like flip to the end and be like, "Oh man, I, I mean, remember I that like, one time I met President Trump." I got like funeral notes in there. Huh? Right, 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 Dan. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so like, hey, here's things about someone's life or funeral notes or something like that. Right next to a signature of of, of what John McCain. Like, I, <laughs> it, just, <laughs> it don't feel right. It's very interesting. I'm uh, a, I'm a full no, Booba. You're like a halfway, Dan. You're like a halfway. You don't care. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I'm halfway because I, I, yeah. I'm Leaning hard. toward no, but no toward anything. I mean, like whether it's a Bible or a, a Frisbee. I mean, Wait, you, you, you don't see any value in it. I really together. want to see the article, President Trump signs Frisbee from local pastor in Des Moines. <laughs> and then Dan's and just like, yeah, pa- pastor refuses. Pastor refuses. This means nothing to me. <laughs> Going to the beach. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want your Frisbee. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'd take it, but I don't, I'd go in my drawer with Christian McCoya. <laughs> Does it fly? Because if it, I don't want no broken frisbee with your name. I was gonna say when you're moving, you just find a random frisbee. What, signed by the president. All right. Uh, so hey, let us know five one five five one seven zero zero eight five. Here's what I'm interested in. One, has anybody ever signed your Bible? <laughs> if so, who? I'm interested. Uh, and, and and two, if so or if not, either way, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, am I overreacting? Uh, Dan seemed pretty reasonable in this conversation. Uh, is Buva really let himself go? Now, does that count if you have your your name, uh, Mammal Grand, or what? You, not Mammal Grand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Wait, what did you yell just at say? Dan? <laughs> I said whore around, but Dan said Mammogram. <laughs> what do you call that? Did you Mammogram you, you your, put your Bible. name on something? Ma- uh, Anagram? Manag- what is it? No, uh, uh, it, it's a monogram. No, monogram. there we go. <laughs> Anagram, monogram, mammogram. Is that bad putting your own name on your Bible like that? I mean, because now you're putting your own. If you signature. understand the English language, please give us a call or a text message. Uh, I, I was stuck in song or something. I understand that I was wrong on anagram, but mammogram. <laughs> it's biblical. Did you ever get your Bible mammogrammed? Like gazelles. Just checked up on. Every once in a while, just it's grab stuck. your Bible. It's stuck in there. Um, <laughs> all right. So, no, I don't think that's a problem. That's your name. Oh, and it's the goodness. Uh, yeah, it's well, so you can find your own Bible. Right, like I wrote, so I, I, had a, I had a Bible when I was younger that my parents bought me. It was a youth Bible. It was my first, like, my own Bible that yeah. had my name on it. Mm-hmm. And I think the only thing I ever wrote in there is I underlined a bunch of passages, but, like, the only thing I ever wrote was I wrote the name of the 13 apostles on the inside. How many? 13. <laughs> right on. And I, I have no <laughs> idea what. Well, so, like, with Judas, I, like I almost you I, added Matthias. You're yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Okay, I added right, Matthias. Right, right. So yeah. um, I, I always think I added Bartholomew, but he was one of the original twelve. Um, 
And so, like, I don't know why I did that, but one day I think I was just learning about it, and I thought, this is yeah. nowhere in the Bible, so i got to remember she, it. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Just in case i got to open it up and go, oh, man, what was that guy's name it's real quick? It's going to be a quiz in Sunday school. Right, exactly. Yeah. I honestly could not tell you why I did that, but that's the only thing I've ever written in my Bible. The rest is all just underline or mm. highlight or something like that. Yeah. I've written tons of stuff. I, used to, I, I love going to a church and, and, like, taking notes in your Bible. It's been years, because now I'm, like, the preacher guy, but... but you know, underline a circle and little notes on the side, yeah, and, and I, I, I like doing that. That'd be great, Danny. You just did that during your sermon. You're like, you know what? Hey, That's wait. excellent. I'm gonna re- you I'm all should write this so down. I think I will, too. You know, that was pretty clever, Pastor Dan. Just <laughs> underline some real, real quick, quick. circle. <laughs> Uh, that uh, I, I'm gonna let that 13 apostle thing go, but, but that's all right. I, because not five minutes ago, I, I appeared to have claimed that Hezekiah was a book of the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so, so, wait, well, so I mean, what are you gonna the do? The one that keeps disappearing. Yeah, yeah. keeps getting ripped out. So there were not 13. Well, I mean, not at a time. <laughs> right? No, I know. He, so he, he appointed the original 12, and then Judas went away. <laughs> yeah. To be I mean, nice you could say about 14 it. if you had Paul and Matthias, yeah. and he. I mean, Paul would have Paul added himself. Yeah, so I'm I was going to say, I'm in you guys. I guess I never okay. thought about it like that. I always thought he was really the 12th, but just because Peter <laughs> threw dice and thought, no, we're going to choose this for God, I think he was jumping the gun. That's my personal opinion. Wait, so okay. Great theologians would disagree with me. But. <laughs> and the general trajectory of the scripture, like God seemed to have honored the choice. I don't know, but did he? I mean, I don't know that he didn't. We don't really know. I mean... They seem to. They seem to. The, the the Acts record seems to imply that they've come to the the belief that uh, this was God's answer. Yeah. So you're saying that like you never hear of him again. Yeah, he didn't write Matthias two. I mean, you don't. Uh, uh, most of the most of the uh, uh, the the apostles did not write a book. I was gonna say there's only a couple of them that did. Yeah, they didn't have New a Testament good agent. didn't really have much else besides, <laughs> well, apostle wise besides the Gospels and Paul. Yeah. He just, he just, I mean, you literally, he just, he just doesn't exist. Okay. But that, I mean, that, yeah, it's just, it's just a theory. Well, fine. It's a theory. i got to find my junior high Bible and apparently cross some names I have fluffy theories sometimes. Thanks, Ben. I'm Calling so- me out on the book of Hezekiah. <laughs> second, uh, second hesitations. Worse, is, worse has been done in this show already. Oh, agreed. Uh, agreed. Okay. It's a quiz night. So anyway. Said uh, some weird stuff. I, I don't feel like we should be signing Bibles. 515-517-0085. Maybe sign your own despite me. Go ahead. I, All right. Can we talk about this Lent thing? Yeah, yeah, I'm with it. Because I'm, I'm confused. Do I need to be doing something for Lent? Like, do I need to be giving something up? Is it, I don't know, I guess I've literally never felt called to give something up for Lent in my entire life. Never done it once in, in my pre-understanding anything about Christianity life, in my actually following Christ life. I've never honestly felt compelled to do it. Am I in the wrong for not doing it? Or is it just a decision that I can make to find myself focused on God every day that way? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it, I think it's good to have a discipline of fasting, and if it happens okay. to fall on Lent, great. Actually, you've done it before because we didn't tell people we were doing Lent before, but we've done forty-day fasts here. That's true. That I've happened done those. to be prior to Easter. I suppose that makes sense. Just never use the word Lent. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say. So where where does Lent? So the name Lent. Where does that come from? Does anybody know? Because it's it's a Catholic thing, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's not it, just Catholic. Methodists do it. Yeah. Okay, because I didn't I didn't know that. Just like I stole it though. I actually thought it was a Catholic thing, and I I still uh, it's a Latin word uh, for fortieth. Oh, okay. Because I still get freaked out every once in a while when I see the 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 ashy cross oh, on yeah, people's yeah. heads. Like I'd never expect it. So I say, oh, you got so- oh. Literally, like I was yeah. in the mall on West Wednesday and was with uh, with my fiance walking around and saw somebody, and I'm like, what is it? Oh, yeah. oh yeah. Oh, oh whoops. <laughs> I see so my like, TV. And I'm like, "Where's who are the makeup people?" And then it takes me a while to yeah remember. Like, is it that's not biblical though, right? 
I, I get like it's, it's not, a, not not so so here's 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 how I think about it. Okay. Um, I, there's nothing in scripture that's otherwise dictating that it has to be done. Okay. Um, I think there is one of the things that we've gotten away from. Uh, so so concerned about getting taught, caught up in empty rituals that we actually lost part of the benefit of habits, of good habits, good spiritual habits. Mm-hmm. And, um, rituals are not a bad thing. Like they, they 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 even got a bad rap right for being called. Hey, it's just a ritual. The problem is like if it is indeed empty. But like there there's a um, there's a pretty constant string in the Bible where you see God saying, look, I, I, you, I don't want you, I want you to live holistically, right? So things that you think or feel, like feel in your heart, think in your mind, are expressed in your body. That's the nature of, of sackcloth and ashes, yeah. right? It's the nature of anointing people in prayer. Um, it's, 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 it's a matter of, of living holistically. Your physical body expresses things that otherwise are, are going on in your mind and heart. Because mm-hmm. uh, like, sometimes, we, remember we had this, um, this comes up every so often when we're talking about prayer rooms. Well, why do we do it, have to do it there? Can I pray anywhere? Of course you can. Uh, do we have to anoint a guy? Can't I just pray in our minds? Oh, sure, and, and do with our mouth. Absolutely. Uh, can't I mourn and weep in my own head? Oh, oh, sure. But like, it's it's actually a weird thing. God created it, a kind of a soul, a mind, and a and a body. Um, and this is this is all I have to express myself with, right? Is right. my hands and my feet. And so, like, um, there's a reason that all that is is kind of gets expressed physically. It's it's a relatively new notion. Like within the last few hundred years. That like everything dominates and can happen just in your mind, and that how it expresses itself in your body is not necessary. Um, and so I, the, the the connection between um, kind of uh, a mind, uh, a post enlightenment spiritualism that says, look, I just have to believe it. I think, therefore, I am. It's in my mind. Um, and a worry about empty rituals is if people were just going through the motions because they thought that that inherently was good. I think it's a false look back on, say, pre-enlightenment folks. They actually just lived a little more holistically. Mm-hmm. How they thought, what they felt, got expressed in their bodies. And so, yeah, they, they wept and they put on sackcloth and they mourned and they fasted and they prayed. And they, and they, and it, they went somewhere to do it. And right. so, like, are those holy things that if you don't do them, uh, the Lord is upset with you? No, I don't think so. But is there something in them? Is there something about living a holistic nature of your life in that way? I think there, there, it's a very powerful thing, mm-hmm. um, and it doesn't. It makes it. It keeps you um, healthily from disassociating what you do with your body and how you think in your mind. And so, <clears throat> all that to say, um, I think there's not a problem not doing it. But like, um, I almost I was asking myself thinking about Lent this year is like, well, what? Why wouldn't I do it? Like if someone, hey man, it's a this is a time when other Christians are doing this thing, uh, whether it's official Lent or they're just using right. the season to do this, um, and they're praying and they're kind of focusing on this thing and they're giving things up. I thought, well, like, I could do that. Right. Why, I mean, I'll join in solidarity with the, with the community of believers who are doing something. Uh, that seems all right to me. Now, uh, I didn't actually do it. I, it occurred to me. But I could. And, uh, I forgot. <laughs> I actually didn't. Because I wasn't following it super close. I can quit anytime I want. <laughs> I don't know when it started. Um, but, but, but I think that's the thing is that like um, yeah. I, over the last few years, I, I felt myself trying to, to reclaim like it's not like we had a bunch of disillusioned, foolish Christians for, you know, 18 centuries. And then we finally landed on the idea that I can just think it from my couch and things are fine. I think we're missing out. Right. And, and I, then I thought, well, shoot, I don't, I don't want to miss out on living physically um, what I, what, what's in my mind and what's in my heart. And so I, I get on board with that without necessarily being tied to um, what, whatever the tradition may be. Okay. Do you think the Ash Wednesday thing freaks people out that don't, don't know Jesus? Sure. Oh, yeah. I think so. Sure. Now, what's interesting, though, is that a, it wouldn't. Uh, I, like, it gets progressively that way because um, – one of the things it does do is it's someone who says, "Look, I'm uh, I'm committed to this thing, and I'm wearing it on my face." 
Yeah. Um, uh, I I don't know if you're I don't know if you're bringing people to Jesus that way, but like I think the cultural reaction around that has continued to get worse, uh, and more and more negative. Yeah. Um, and so I don't. Um, I but then again, I don't know that that is to stop me from doing something that I felt like was, um. Uh, necessary or otherwise appropriate in my following of jesus it's not that but like uh it doesn't stop me from doing anything else that might outwardly proclaim i love love the lord so i still right. have trump sign my bible yeah 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 it shows to everybody see see everybody see <laughs> look at you sign galatians check it out <laughs> he's the lord's man he's the lord's man <laughs> um yeah yeah so anyway which book of the bible has DeWalls jericho in it judges yeah yeah he'd sign judges you think that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did that. <laughs> That's a 515-517-0085. Call, totally fair. Call or text. Um, okay, anyway. Hey, so let's look at those, let's look at those uh, reasons what, what people are giving up. What to give up. Uh, so they looked Maybe at Joshua. The first. The judges. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jo- yeah, yeah, Joshua. It's just kind of going in my head. I'm terrible with Old Testament <laughs> stuff. I need to work on my biblical history. Um, let's see here. So first, they looked at the first 1,500 tweets. 100, okay. Both serious and sarcastic. Okay. Yep. Uh-oh. Um, I think that's a fair inclusion. Yeah. Social, okay, well, let's see, here we go. Uh, how do you typically observe Lent Amer- among Americans who observe Lent? Um, 57% fast from a favorite food or beverage. 57% attend church services. <laughs> During Lent, I go to church? Yeah. Yeah. I give up paganism. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I no longer worship Dagon during Lent. Uh, 39% pray more. 38% give to others. 35% fast from a bad habit. 23% fast from a... The whoremongery could have been in there. But the fast, 23% fast from a favorite activity. Did you activity. just want to say that again? Yeah. <laughs> I want to come around so I look more appropriate. Wait, wait. Yeah. 23% a favorite activity? Yeah. So they're kind of getting it. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, hey, I need to stop this anyway, so I'll fast. Right, that's what that's what weird like throws me off. It's yeah. like I gave up smoking. I punch myself in the face every morning. I won't do that for Lent. Good, good, that's great. Yeah, but something they actually like. Yeah, I, 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 that's, yeah, that's yeah. Of course, it's only twenty three percent. So here we go. Here's the top one hundred things. Uh, Buva, what's your guess? Uh, chocolate. Dan. Ooh, that's a good que- a good answer. Um, okay, I'm going to say um, caffeine. Okay, here we go. Number one, <laughs> social networking. Oh, I was going to say that too. <laughs> uh, number two, uh, Twitter, which is wait, social wait networking. Minute. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, somebody came on Twitter to tell everybody that they were leaving less Twitter. less social. Yeah. That's weird. All right, three, alcohol. Oh, uh, okay. Four, chocolate. Ah. Oh, you're in the top four. <laughs> I've Lent. <laughs> Lent? Sarcasm. Nope, Lent <laughs> yeah. for Lent. Sarcasm. Gave, this year for Lent, I gave up Lent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, based upon, well, see, this, was, this is based upon 41,000 tweets. Anyway, okay. 730 people thought they were funny. Um, They're Baptist. <laughs> um, six, meat. Yeah? Seven, swearing. Eight, coffee. Lent, I'm going to give up sin. Here's your caffeine. Uh, nine, soda. So, I mean, if you combine coffee and soda, that beats out, it's that'd be 1,038. That beats out chocolate. Wow. Ooh. Although chocolate has caffeine in it. You put yeah, those three true. together and you beat out the social network. Yes. Um, <laughs> ten, uh, sex. What? Yeah. 
People give that up for Lent. Whoa. <laughs> it's like, okay, we've gone too far. <laughs> Weird reaction, Dan. <laughs> Sign my Twitter. I'm not doing this. <laughs> 11, fast food. 12, sweets. 13, school. Another bucket of chuckles. Oh, school? I gave up school for Lent. 14, <laughs> schooled. work. Good. 40 fewer people will actually have a job and find that funny. 15, men. <coughs> mm, 16, college. 17, religion. Yeah, Twitter's wow, still a real, really, real comedy here. 18, bread. What? I'm going gluten-free for Lent. I mean, if you have to go gluten-free, Lent is really not the time to focus your efforts. <laughs> you should do it more than 40 days. Um, let's see. Plastic is 20. Plastic? Plastic. Yeah. Now you're going paper? I was going to say, well, that or people trying to, like, tack on Save the Earth. Uh, let's see if we can round uh, out the top like 30 here. Anything plastic yeah. Or- yeah, 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 yeah. There's, I saw this. I saw this article. Hard. Was it a, a yeah. news article or something online where like this woman uh, doesn't create? Uh, she doesn't really use plastic or like doesn't create extra like garbage or whatever. And so she's collected all her unrecyclable garbage in like a single mason jar over the last two years. That's insane. Yeah, wow. yeah. And I was impressed. And then I thought, I don't, you know, I'm not that committed. I was gonna <laughs> say the Shoot. amount of effort you have to put in that is insane yeah like you have to choose your all your products you're purchasing that way you have to make certain that you're recycling correctly everything compost all of your waste yeah uh, now do you think but you got to come out with that on the first date don't you think oh if you're an insane recycler composter yes i mean because i mean i i feel like your behavior on a first date is going to be of such that requires explanation if this is how you live right your exactly life. if you're like making certain that you have a, a like a cloth napkin can't use anything pl- paper or plastic yeah. anything like that have to make certain that you've got you make the right choices because i mean it can't just be your home i'm sure that extends to like leaving your house too yeah if you're that committed on it you yeah. probably go to restaurants based what well, means this. you can't even go to the you can't even go out to eat Right, or you go to like some Somewhere you place that you yeah. know that can do this. Put it in my hand, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys have soup for the hand? Yeah. Just, just delicious. Ladle it in. I'm saving the earth. <laughs> um, all right, here's rounding out the top 30. Uh, plastic, uh, giving up things, Catholicism. Sugar. I can't believe that Catholicism thing wasn't higher on the list. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. These joke crackers out there. They're great. Uh, sugar, chips, beer, life. Marijuana. Just giving up life for hey, Lent. Hey, man. Marijuana beat out Brexit by one. Beat up Brexit? Is only, it like it only one. London leaving the, yeah, you, uh, the UK? England se- or no, England leaving the... England the, separation from the European Union. Okay, thank yeah. you. London leaving the UK. More people yes. are giving up marijuana. <laughs> Rome left Brexit. Italy, too. <laughs> Sweet Moses. Uh, boys. Teenage that was girls. 30. Boys. Okay. Let's hope. Hold on. Oh, now man. I'm kind of, let's see what's, see what's at the end of the list. There's some Catholic priests out there. All right. I'm not going to redeem today's show. Off the rails. What's, what's our number again? 515-517-0085. All right, you know what? I'm giving up this list. It's a it's a trail of tears. We're going to leave it be. Oh, I need to apologize right now to everyone. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right, all right. Let's see. Um, yes. Okay, that was that was. Trump signing Bibles. <laughs> okay, so um, article to reach unsaved Christians first help them get lost. Um, so uh, again, there was a guy who, who he went to um, uh, a Christian school and he was going to go. Uh, the first first gig out of school was to go be a pastor in the Bible Belt. And a friend of his uh, who was also graduating at the same time um, got a got a job pastoring in California. 
And his comment to the dude, uh, to his friend, was basically, man, I really admire what you're doing. Because, like, California's California. Uh, there's a yeah. wide open sea of potential church action going on out there, people who need Jesus. Right. And so he said that to this dude. And uh, his friend said, um, hold on, maybe if I can find the quote for him. Oh, yeah, he says, um, he says, whatever, the Bible Belt is the most difficult place in America to pastor a local church. The guy said, I was stunned. He must have sensed my confusion because he explained further. As he did, I had a serious epiphany. I believe the Lord knew what I needed to hear in that moment, and it changed my perspective forever on my role as a pastor in the part of the country where I live and minister. In California, Matt said, there's rarely confusion. Either you're a Christian or you're not. In the Bible Belt, many people think they're Christian but have no concept of the severity of sin, necessity of repentance, message of grace, or the overall message of the gospel. They think they're just fine with God and God is fine with them because they aren't atheists and have been to church before as a kid. It's almost like you have to help them get lost so they can actually be saved. They believe in God but do not believe their sin has done anything to separate them from him or the need, uh, or, the, or to need the Jesus they claim to believe in. People are too quick to claim something is life-changing. I've done that myself about a new flavor of Blue Bell ice cream or some Kansas City barbecue. But from a ministry perspective, this really was the moment for me. The reality of Matt's description of my hometown created a missional urgency rather than missional insecurity. Since that parking lot conversation, I moved back home just south of the Georgia line to plant a church among people who never missed vacation Bible school's kids and now dropped their own kids off several weeks of the summer to different VBS programs across town. Whereas church familiarity is rare where Matt is, people where I pastor dress up to go to church on Easter Sunday with no concept of why that holiday even matters. So maybe the first question is, is Dan, is this, is this familiar to you in your ministry? Have you, would you say you've seen this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. <laughs> yes. <It is> <laughs> riveting. Move it on. Yes. <laughs> yes. Definitely. Yes. Uh, there, it becomes a game that they don't even know it's a game, but it's a game they're playing their faith. And it's just a series of actions and and a list of do's and don'ts and which may or may not even be related to scripture and they just just it's the club they join. Yep. Uh and and uh they they chew people up at sometimes and, and I mean I know I'm kinda bouncing all over, I'm just thinking of all these experiences and Yeah. Uh I I, I would um I've never been like in the real Bible belt. I have a feeling it'd drive me insane as a, you know, trying to be a, a pastor um, because I, I just want to slap everybody. Yeah. Every time you hear, you're like, t- you're, you're, you're speaking. Someone's like, amen. And you're like, liar, yeah. liar. You don't even know what amen means. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> you just say it because you think you can say it. <laughs> Actually, I run into this a lot in, in a lot more than I thought I would. When I first started youth group, uh-huh. uh, you know, I've been doing it since I was you know, 18 years old and, I started off in like just being security, just sitting in the back, make sure people were quiet. But once I actually started taking over and, and starting to lead a little bit, I was astonished at how many kids that I knew grew up in the church. And like I was in the church that they grew up in. I saw them grow up in it. Yep. And so I was expecting them to be all on fire for Jesus and understanding this stuff and, and all these different things. And once I really started teaching them things that, that wasn't just Sunday school stuff and seeing what they knew and seeing what their lives were like, it's like... I think you guys think that you're the ones that have come in here for a long time and you are the VBS kids and you are the ones who, you know, I know your parents and I know your parents are teaching you this stuff. But when it comes to it's just not knowledge, it's actual faith and action. Like, it's surprising to me to see these kids go, oh, I guess I don't remember the last time I ever talked to somebody about Jesus. And I don't remember 
um, you know, looking at this from a glorification of God perspective. I, I, I pray with my parents when they pray, and I show up to church every Sunday because my mom Going and dad the drive. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. just like, but what is your relationship like with Christ? You know, who is he to you? Is he really your father? Is he really your savior and your king? <clears throat> and when they kind of look at that, and I love the description of king to them, it's just like, you guys don't understand that. As children that grew up in uh, the Amer- in America, you you never really understood what it's like to be underneath a kingdom, a king kind of deal. Right. And most of us don't. But when I start to describe that, I'm like, this is what Jesus calls himself. This is a kingdom. It's not like you have representatives here. You are underneath someone, and you are enamored by this person, and you are are always glorifying them as your king. Are you doing that? And the answer is most of the time, no. And so it's really interesting to see them kind of take a step back and go, oh, do I really have faith? Am I really one who who call, uh, claims to be a son or daughter of Christ, or am I doing this because my mom and dad do? Yeah, I think I think a lot of kids are a lot of parents teach their children how to act like mm-hmm. a Christian, right. and never teach them what a Christian is. Yeah, and, and I mean they they don't they mean well. They, yeah, exactly. They do. It's not like they're doing anything intentionally wrong. It's just but they don't know what a relationship is with the right. the, the the God of the universe who created everything to existence. You know, they, it's like oh, I thought we just. Go to church and youth group and pray at meals. And- yeah, I think that's totally correlatable to what this with this article is talking about. Is you've got people who are going through the motions and have that uh, the, the rituals calling that up, up again. You've got the rituals of doing the right things, of showing up on Easter, of you know maybe even giving up for Lent and things like that, and all this stuff. You do the rituals, but you don't understand who is the king behind this. Who is who is the person that I'm doing this for? Yeah. How do I know God? And that could be awful, especially because these people are thinking. Yeah, I'm right with God. I know exactly what I'm doing. You know, there's nothing going on. And then you as an actual pastor that's trying to come by and, and facilitate legitimate relationships between Christ and people, and these people don't think they need it. It's like trying to get somebody to drink a glass of water when they don't think they're thirsty. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't understand, like, why you're sitting in front of them. And, I, you know, that, that is a good point, is that, like, we, you could make anything shallow. Like, like a, uh, a motion, an action, a right. going somewhere, celebrating something, doing this thing or that thing. Um is not inherently good or bad. It's really what you what you're kind of how you're interacting with it. And like, um, we would never say, "Hey, we should stop doing church because some people go there and they they sit through it ritualistically." Right. Uh, we've right. given up things, some things like fasting and some things like a corporate prayer and even things like anointing because we're like, uh, uh, that seems ritualistic to us right. and people didn't mean it. But it's just it's just interesting that like things that we've uh, but we wouldn't give up say Sunday. Um, just because people are like that, and, frankly, and when we know that people are like that, right? Um, as a matter of fact, that goes back to and one of the things this article calls out are some of the studies that we've talked about, where it says it is well documented that those who claim no religious affiliation are on the rise. Between 2007 and 2014, this group jumped from 16 to 23 percent of the American population. This coincides with the decline in people identifying as Christian. Although there is reason to believe this is really just a refinement process and not a sign of bleeding in the actual Christian demographic. As the social costs of Christianity increase. Those with only nominal belief are falling away. According to a study of U.S. adults, 80% of those polled believe in God, but only 56% believe in God as described in the Bible. Considering the fact that approximately 70% of the U.S. population still identifies as Christian, we have a large group of people that would likely be overlooked in outreach or missions. With this in mind, I believe cultural Christianity is the most underrated mission field in America. While there's evidence that nominal Christianity is declining on its own, it is of utmost importance that we minister to those on the fence in hopes that they may end up within the fold and not without. So um, the question is, um, how how do you? How, what, are, what are good starting points? 
with someone who's kind of in this position, who's cultural Christian? How do you get them to recognize the difference? And he's got some suggestions here, but did any come to mind? See, I always have trouble with this, and nothing's come to mind because I'm always afraid to do this, and I'm going to be honest about that. I'm always afraid to do this because I really don't want to offend anybody. Like, I'm not trying to look at them and say, hey, your faith is shallow, and, and you think you have it. I'm called to do that, so I probably should stop flaking out on that, to be honest with you. But like, I don't know. I just, I'm always worried about that. So, so there's, I think there's a notion of humility in that that says, look, I, I'm not the ins and outs guy. Like, I'm, I don't get to call who's in and who's out. Right. Um, that's, that, is, that is a God's thing. Um, however... Um, you're also not blind, right? Yeah, uh, and you, and you're right, and you have. Uh, I think I've rightly called out that you. We have a um, uh, a loving relationship with people in our communities uh, that says, "Look, if you're if you're jumping off the fence and you're obviously lying with your mouth uh, relative to your actions, and we don't think you're following Jesus, like I would hope someone would say something to me, uh, right? <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't look right. Like you're self deceived here. Uh, right. James is pretty clear that we have the ability to deceive ourselves, um, and so. So yeah, I, I think that's the thing, though, is it, it it runs the risk, or it feels like the risk of putting yourself in the position that says, "Look, I know you're not right. saved," but that, and I think that's, that's, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend that as the starting point. Hey, no. I've assessed <laughs> that this is not where you're at. But uh, Dan, what about you? Yeah, it's hard because your your goal is to wake them out of their slumber, and so sometimes that might be a harsh, you know, spiritual slap upside the head. I think I think the answer is 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 one on one relationship where you're showing them the way. Right. I mean, because I've challenged churches and groups. We, I mean, it's still Iowa. We're far enough, close enough to the Bible Belt that we have some of that. The second generation, third generation right. Christians, and so forth. And yeah, it's just challenging. The only thing that I have found effective, and that's. And it seems like it's only temporary. It's like because they go back to their their natural slumber. It is the one on one taken by the hand and say, "We're going. Here's where we're going. You can go on this ride. You can make it an exciting journey, or you cannot." Um, although I can say, the the one thing that has made huge impacts that I have seen is taking people to third world countries on mission. That that uh, used to say that's a shift. A big shift. I see. I've seen shift. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, one hundred percent. I would agree with that. I think um, um, seeing seeing other people's faith, um, especially in circumstances that are unfamiliar to you, um, does challenge you. It gives you. It gives you. A, um, uh, I don't want to say a, it's a fuller lens. Like um, you're not intentionally blind. Uh, oh, but right. you, don't, you don't realize it until it shows up. And you're like, shoot, I, 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 those things didn't even occur to me that people are living this way, that people are dealing with these types of things, and then being encouraged by people's faith in those situations, where the risks we run is frankly just not being in those situations. So there's no no test or trial to it, and we don't we get to see the Lord work in those types of things, so we're insulated from it. And so, yeah, I, I would I would agree that that um, that has an impact. He says, uh, here's some tips to remember when establishing a starting point in a spiritual conversation with a cultural Christian. Uh, one, many cultural Christians claim to revere the Bible, so feel free to refer to it as the authority on all things sooner than you might if talking to someone of another faith. You have a wide open door to use the Bible as your point of reasoning with people who already claim to believe it as a sacred text. Many of them have church affiliations that don't use the Bible much, so it is likely that they have no idea what the Bible they claim to believe actually says. Uh, that's true. Uh, I have noticed that. Um, conversations like when we refer to the Bible, like they largely don't, folks don't, don't read it. Um, the things that they have read, they don't understand well. Um, or they've applied in a, in a seriously wonky manner. And so if 
if that's what like a, a lot of folks um, if, um, who are cultural Christians um, are like, hey, I'll, I'll take a bullet before I let you take the Bible out of the school type of folk, uh, and have not read it, and so, yeah. um, and so using the Bible to say, okay, great, well, let's read the Bible. Good start. Um, two lovingly ask frustrating questions. What is the standard for good? How good is good enough? How many more good deeds do you need to have than bad? And who doesn't make it to heaven? Ask these questions to uncover their source of authority for their stated beliefs. Most cultural Christians won't, Christians won't be able to answer these questions. The point of this is not to mock or embarrass them. It's to establish a starting point of what God has told us about himself, our sin, and the solution found in Jesus Christ. Three, ask about the Ten Commandments. There's a good chance they can name some of them. Ask how they've done in keeping them, and if there's any consequence for breaking them. If not, why did God give them to us? Three, cultural Christians claim a belief in Jesus Christ. They also believe he died on the cross. If good people go to heaven, why did Jesus die? Is anything more confusing than a Savior dying for people who really didn't need savings? Uh, broadly, many people I've baptized were former cultural Christians who could not answer these types of questions. In their frustration, they began to realize something was dissonant. The Christian faith they claimed to have held uh, had little to do with anything the Bible said outside of trying to be a good neighbor. Once their eyes were open to the reality of God's holiness and their personal sin, a need for a Savior was understood, a starting point was established, and a need for the gospel that I believe. It says, remember that we're looking for a starting point, not a one-stop shop to full gospel understanding. Don't enter these conversations as debates, but rather feel confident in simply expressing what the gospel is. Pray that God would provide the wisdom you need to then walk someone through their resulting questions. My friend's realization that he needed Jesus eventually led to saving faith, baptism, deep commitment to a local church, and spiritual growth. But that began with the starting point, hearing the gospel and understanding that it was good news. I suppose, uh, and this is true for your context, uh, Boovin, as, as is true for Dan and I's too, is that um, I think you, even if they're not culturally uh, like adults, I think um, what you're seeing with kids, I think is, is kind of a reflection of that same, same type of thing, yeah. right? It's the same type of behavior, uh, and those kids grow up, uh, and they end up in, they end up in chairs and um, Bible studies or right. that kind of thing. And so, um, and that's, so like the... The thing is, is that like we're prepared for this. Christian, Christians are prepared for this type of thing. It's not like we're not capable of it. People do it all the time. Small groups are intended to help with things like that. Um, the, the kids' ministry, or like even under other men, men's ministries, women's ministries. The question, though, is, is that like, are those ministries actually doing these types of things? Like, are we studying the Bible in any of these things? Because if we are, then the, then the things will shake out. Like, even you said, oh, I go to the women's thing because women are there. Well, great. Uh, if women are studying the Bible, uh, then this thing can't continue. It won't continue to slip through the cracks, even if those same people could show up at church every Sunday for years and years and years and years and, and miss it. Um, but to the extent that those don't do that, um, because we're like, well, we do a lot of that on Sunday. We shouldn't. We don't want to overload all these things here. Um, you, you, you do run the risk of that not being a stopgap either as being a separate place. And so um, I know it's, it, I suppose that's, that's the core evaluation. If you look at all the stuff you do and say, look, is there a, is there a place someone could get uh, caught um, if they otherwise were ritualistic on Sunday morning? <clears throat> are we offering things that otherwise might catch them, help them yeah. in, run into things like this? So uh, it was weird. I was actually I was in Minneapolis uh, a, a week ago. And uh, there was a guy there, and he's like, oh, he, he was from Des Moines or whatever. And so he told me that. Uh, he started talking about this guy he knew. I'm like, what the heck ever? And, uh, but he wanted me to look him up. And so I go back, and I, it was a guy like I, he used to work with me or used to work with that guy too. Like we had a kind of a mutual friend. Um, 
Anyway, I come, come to find out that he said that he saw the Pope in downtown Des Moines. And I said, that's ridiculous. That's, the Pope was not even here. And so uh, I had him describe it to me. I said, tell me what the Pope looked like. And like his description of the Pope, to be honest, wasn't like quite what I had understood the Pope to look like. <laughs> um, however. TV changes. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought that might be the deal. And Cameras I said, did he have, pounds. did he have, he didn't have the hat on. Did he have that? Like, what, what about the hat? And he's, he made some deal about he, he must have lost it on the plane or whatever. I don't know what yeah. the Pope, where he keeps it. Makes sense. Anyway. Uh, so I had him explain this today, and and he was like, a, he drew a sketch of it. And Buva, I'll be doggone if he didn't draw, like the most purest sketch of of Pontiff Buva, spitting image of me. Huh? Yeah, and so I mean, so anyway, this guy feels like he ran into you and talked to you. Is that is this a familiar story? Did you it, run into happened. a dude? It's happened before, and it doesn't surprise me. So yeah, so tell me about it. How did it go down? So actually, expecting you to tell me a legitimate <laughs> story about something that happened in Minneapolis. Um, so when this uh, when this fella ran up to me uh, and and exclaimed that I must be the Pope, uh, I told him he was mistaken and needed to leave my lawn, and he refused to do so until I gave him some kind of uh, papal wisdom. So uh, so this is what I gave. So him. he thinks you're a Pope on the sly. He says, "Hey, yeah, yeah. he was like he, he really is undercover. the Pope, right? Okay. And I'm he, not leaving until I get exactly. my signature There's no and my way Bible until I get some time and, a and this man better sign okay. my Bible. Okay. <laughs> and so of course, Ben, I did not sign his Bible, so don't worry. But you agreed to the wisdom part. But I agreed to the wisdom. Okay, part. okay. I figured that I can do. Okay, great. Let's hear it. So, um, uh, within youth group, within the last couple of weeks, uh, last couple of months, we've been talking about Mark, um, and we've been going through verse by verse, and I love doing that with the kids because. Uh, making them break down verses instead of just stories and, and parables and chapters and things like that. They really have to dive in and, and, and get to the, the heart of things. And I really love teaching that way uh, because I can do some things that are thematic and things like that, but like I don't, I don't do themes well, but I do scripture well, and I, and I study that well. And yeah. so that's recognized as one of my strengths, right? And so but one of the things that the kids love doing is they absolutely love derailing me, okay? It's one of their favorite things in the world. If they can get a hold of my thought process and just let me take me completely away from the lesson and into what they wanted to talk about, not from the perspective they don't want to talk about what we were originally thinking of, they just think it's fun. Right. And and when I get going, like instead of just talking about my prepared plan, it's the Holy Spirit takes just a straight run, and it's usually about Jesus stuff. And so if they can ask me some good Jesus questions, I'll stop what I'm talking about and I'll go, okay, that's a valid question. Let's answer that. And that turns into. A lot of stuff. And so about two weeks ago, uh, we were going through Mark 3, and we were talking uh, just before uh, you get into uh, to uh, Jesus uh, uh, calling the apostles. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about, um, oh, I, I can't even remember the, the subject at the beginning of 3. I think it's uh, uh, the Pharisees and uh, the Sabbath, if I remember correctly. Yep. Um, it's a continuation from the end of 2 into 3. Uh, it's just a different point. The conversation, right? And so we're talking about this stuff. But out of nowhere, somebody asks me um, a question about the differences between understanding uh, uh, Christianity and religion and understanding science. And so it was basically just a random one-off question where somebody was like, um, uh, did the dinosaurs really exist? And if they did, why weren't they talked about in the Bible? Sure, yeah. Okay, and so... That kind of led to, oh, everybody started wanting to talk about dinosaurs because they're all, you know, 14 years old. Who wouldn't, sure. Yeah, nobody doesn't want to talk about dinosaurs. And we were talking about the Sabbath. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about dinosaurs. Like, I totally get that. And so it led to everybody's hand popping up. Out of nowhere, just like 15 random questions come out. And they're all these what-if questions about, you know, if we believe that God created the universe, then what created God? 
It's like, okay, that's a fair question. Like, I can understand where you're going. Sure. And, you know, uh, are you willing to accept the answer of, well, God kind of existed at the beginning and, and created himself, if you will, but he was always there, really. Like, well, if he was always there, what was there before? It's like, okay, that's a, it's a logical conclusion that we're always going to go down to. God created himself. How did he do that? We can't do that stuff like that. And so that led to these guys wanted to have just uh, what I call a what-if session. Yeah. And it always happens to where they just want to ask these questions that are like, what if this? And what if this is the situation? And it's not biblical stuff. It's just cultural things they've heard or conversations they've had with somebody. You know, uh, do dogs go to heaven kind of questions. Sure, right? yeah, like yeah, all yeah. that kind of stuff. And so I'm getting bombarded with these questions. Like legitimately they are back to back to back to back to back. And finally – I'm trying to get through Mark 3. I'm doing everything I can to stay on task. And I'm like, okay, every single one of you guys have a what-if question here. They're like, yeah, of course we do. We have a thousand questions, stuff like that. And I'm sitting there, and my brain immediately kind of goes to, you know, I'm trying to facilitate some learning here, and I really want them to get out of this and everything like that. Let's get back on task. Let's get back on, on subject. This isn't really important conversation questions. Like, these aren't things that are really going to affect your faith and stuff like that. And then my time ran out. And so I'm like, well. I feel bad because I have 10 kids that are asking me questions after questions after questions. This is the most engaged they've been in a month. Mm-hmm. Like they dig on some of the stuff we do, but I lose them sometimes. I'll be honest. Sure. But I'm just like, this is, this is really important stuff to them. So I said, everybody write down your questions. Okay. Write down a question you've got. We're going to bring it back next week. I'm going to plan a lesson, but if we don't get to it because you guys have questions, I'm fine with that. Yep. Well, lots of times to just answer questions. I figured Next week rolls around. I figured a couple of people would have questions. We get there, uh, and I think maybe I'll spend 20 minutes in doing this, 30 minutes tops, whatever, or hour and a half time. We ended up spending the entire hour and a half on all of their what-if questions. The, you know, what if God, uh, if God created the earth, was it really a Big Bang, or is the Big Bang made up? Um, is, can we hold science in one hand and religion in the other and understand that science does exist, but that doesn't disprove God? It just uh, does things, and answer for some of these things and all this different stuff. And it was a really cool time. And where my Pope style is coming from is I realized I don't ask what if questions anymore. I've given up on my, on my natural curiosity in many ways of my faith. Mm-hmm. My faith has become very uh, question answer, but more from the perspective of, I want to know the exacts of how to just live my life and get it done with mm-hmm. and just make sure I know what I'm doing. Don't ask any, you know, God, I've just been thinking about it today. You know, what, what happens if this is going down or what, what's going on here? And it's just, it's interesting that like, I'm a naturally curious guy. I really am. Like I ask a lot of questions about a lot of stuff, but I haven't been asking those questions of God in my relationship with him. You know, I just kind of put it off of if I can't, if I can't find an answer fairly quickly and it's not really that important to my faith. I don't really need to put thought into it. Yeah. But then if I'm taking that time and I'm not putting it in anything constructive, and I go, I don't really care about my curiosity and my faith, but Netflix seems cool right now. I'm going to go hop into Netflix and watch a show. I'm going to binge a season of a show at a time, which is ridiculous. Or I'm going to go back to work. Or I'm going to handle something else that's not my relationship with God. And I realized that it hit me hard. I'm like, these kids are understanding this natural curiosity they have, and they're willing to give into it reckless abandon. They do not care. They're asking every single thing they can. They want to know everything they possibly can. They're just so, they're sponges for every bit of knowledge. And I miss that. Yep. I miss that in my faith. You know, when I first started, like, really getting into, in, into my faith with God, 
I was doing that kind of stuff. I was running through my Bible and I was flipping back and forth. And I, I remember so many times, I mean, I'd text you, Ben, all the time and ask you questions. And I'd yep. text you, Dan. I'd come here with, with faith stuff that I really want to talk about and hash out or, or with my mentors that I talk to. I don't do that anymore. I don't have that natural drive and that curiosity. And I looked at it for a split second and I, 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 it hit me hard and it, and it shook my reality. I looked at it as a waste of time. I was looking at it like, guys, we need to learn about Jesus. What are you guys doing? Like, there's, there's gospel truth that we're trying to find. And I'm sitting here trying to push them past it. And I'm like, how dare I do that? Like, how I dare I quell that, that curiosity they have the, into this stuff? Like, even if it's, even if it's meaningless, re- faith meaningless stuff, like, am I going to see Sparky when I go to heaven? Right. Is it really important to your faith and to where you're going to spend eternity on whether or not you get to see your guinea pig when you go to heaven? I don't think so. But at the same point in time, is it important in your faith to have that natural curiosity that is just constantly driving you to know more about your Savior and your Father? I think it's so important. And I'm sad at myself that I've missed that. And so since I did that time, I've really been trying to, when I get those random what-if questions in my head, I'll take a minute to think about them. I'll take a minute just to ponder random stuff, even if it's not important. I'm thinking about, you know, what is heaven going to be like? Do I really need to know the specifics of it? No. Do I have a general idea? I think so from Scripture. But at the same point in time, is it cool to kind of just sit down for a minute and think about how cool it's going to be to be skipping and jumping and singing and joy in God's glory for the rest of eternity? That's amazing to think. And then being there at the Big Bang when God spoke light into existence, like, is it really that important that I know the science behind it? No. Is it important for these kids to know the science behind it? Not really. But is it super cool to think about, well, God spoke literally everything into existence. There was nothing before him, and he spoke it all. Everything we can see and perceive and smell with all of our senses, anything we do, was all him. And it started when he spoke. How cool is that to just sit there and think? And so instead of spending so much time in, in big, huge, like monumentous things that I need to think about for faith, I still give that stuff time, but I've really been allowing myself to kind of to facilitate that natural wonder that I had at, at, as, as a new believer and really kind of give into that natural and, and, and wondrous curiosity of, you know, hey, Papa, like, what's it going to be like when I'm with you forever? Like, that's going to be awesome, you know? What was it like when you created wisdom? Like, the Proverbs talks about that. That's a cool deal. Like, wisdom was there at the beginning with you. What's that like? You know, was it, was it an actual thing floating around or was it the concept of wisdom that Solomon was trying to portray and, and, and personify and like, does it really matter? Not so much, but is it important that I'm spending time in my relationship with you asking questions that I, w- that I used to do when I was five years old, yeah. that curious, I mean, all, yeah. all of us have met a toddler. They ask a billion questions a day. They ask about everything. Why is the sky blue? Why is this going on? Why do I have hands? Why am I this color? Why is my hair a different color than yours? It's like, I miss that, that toddler like curiosity in my faith. And I've really been trying to get back. And I'm, I'm not even close to where I want to be, but it's something I've really been focusing on the last couple of weeks. And so if I have that Pope's advice, I guess it's, you know, if, you, if you've lost that curiosity, if you've lost that, that childlike faith from the perspective of, like, you're not tainted by your own things that have happened to you, experiences or, or the stresses of life, that, try and get a hold of that stuff. Try and get a hold of that childlike wonder of, like, he's your papa. Like, Spend some time in that kind of relationship where it's reverent, but it's like you're sitting on your dad's lap and you're asking a thousand questions an hour 
And he's just sitting there smiling and giddy because you're with him. You're spending time with him. And you're building that relationship. Did he leave? Did he get off the line? Oh, yeah, he left. He's gone. That was enough. He's in. I think so, yeah. I mean, right. he, he left. I mean, I pushed him, but he left. I think it's great. I think that's... Um, uh, how could you not... Like, if, if I'm to understand and, and uh, a God that created the universe, right, and not look around and say, look, this is... As I look about, this is supposed to tell me about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right? Like, it, it, there are implicit questions and say, well, what is, what is this? What is this about? Like, this could be done a million ways. You did it this way. Right. How was, how was that? <laughs> um, and there are things, you know, I, I wonder if we get away from that kind of stuff because there's a point as, as your kind of mind develops and you get exposed to things um, that you stop digging because you're, you're afraid that if I dig far enough, I'm, there's going to be nothing there. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think we, we, we subject kids to that. Like, um, we... we sometimes don't allow them to ask deep questions or we push them off when there are complicated or unknown answers because we don't want it to be a risk for their faith. Um, especially with science. Right. Especially with science. Like, I've, oh man, a lot. I've, we, we, we homeschool and like, some of that science curriculum is embarrassing. Some, some, like, some people, some Christians who produce science curriculum are an embarrassment. Mm-hmm. It's not biblical it's not science. It's, it's a book full of somebody's shallow opinion who's afraid that the world might expose God as a fraud. Mm. Like, what a bunch of crap. Right. I don't want my kids to see this. Because, right. because God's not a fraud. I have no, he's, there's nothing to protect him from. Let's talk about what this is. Yeah. Let's talk about what Scripture says. Let's talk about how the world works that he created. Let's understand how these things go together. But like, I, oh, man, alive. I was, I was, I was, there's just been a few that I've looked at, and I'm so disappointed i'm like what is this garbage yeah this is not we're not trying and and like what i could what you can tell like they're, they're pulling bible verses out of out of context to support weird things that aren't true and i thought like why this will destroy a kid because they're going to read this and they're going to get five years down the road and they're going to find out that that isn't how the world works because they can walk out the front door and, and notice that this is how things go and be like oh well because this joe who wrote a science book uh who says he loves jesus and he used uh, some bible verses to support it um, well, then the, either the Bible's not true or it can't support reality. And, like, it's, oh, so bad. Hmm. I'm so disappointed. And, like, and, and I, I see that all the time. I, um, people having conversations, and they get to a point where there's, like, a difficult question when it, when it comes to how, how we understand uh, the biblical narrative and um, the reality of God and the reality of the world that he created around us. And they get, they get like, three-quarters of the way down, and they go, like, uh, well, I just believe that God's word is true. I'm like, yeah. So do I. Now finish the conversation. <laughs> and like they just bail on it. Right. And, and, and so I say all that to say is that like one of the things that allows us to continue to survive um, in a state of wonderment is to not be afraid to wonder. Yeah. Something that doesn't like this doesn't put at risk. This doesn't put me at risk. I'm not worried that there's going to be an answer that, that God can't handle or that I'm not afraid of an I don't know. I'm not yeah. a, like what kind of what, what kind of people believe that they know everything about the Creator God, right? Uh, and so, like, it, it, I'm not being afraid of it. I don't know, but like I, some of that, I think, comes the fear come, we instill by not allowing people to ask those types of questions. Even adults, like adults, say like what? Like they're, they're, everyone's got probably a list of ten things. They're like, I really don't get it. I, I'm concerned. I would be concerned about this answer. Like, I don't even know. They don't even have the conversation. Uh, but if someone were to bring it up to them, they'd be like, Oh, well. I don't know. And now they're in the business. Now, mm-hmm. now there's doubts where there shouldn't have been because we're not talking, we're not being honest about things as if God needs the protection. 
from the the from the the truth of the world he created. It's it's it sounds foolish when we talk about it that way, but I I think that's a lot of what suppresses our willingness to do it. Um, is if we don't have the answer, um, we push people off, and then we don't we don't allow them to wonder because as if there's a risk in doing so. Right. All right, that's Pope's advice. Um, let's see. All right, so let's um let's do this. We're 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 running around the tail end. Let's get some dear life from the path. Uh, here we go. Dear life from the path. My ex-husband raised my son as his own from the time he was an infant. Now my son's biological father is saying he wants our son to stay away from my ex-husband. However, my ex-husband and my son have a very strong bond. I believe the bond is even stronger than what he has with his biological father. They're both good dads, but my ex-husband devotes more than one, more one-on-one time to my son than his biological father. Father, I am confused. Must I distance him from my ex since we are no longer married? My son is now six. Ooh, man. A lot of dudes in a short amount of time. Yeah, I was thinking like 18 or I don't know. That's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking too. Like your 15-year-old doesn't want to spend so much time. Yeah. Six? Wow, six. That's complicated. I wish. Uh, oh. So there's a father that wasn't married and then she got married and then got divorced. Yes. And both of them are, are scuffling over the child. There's only two, though, right? There's not three. I saw, uh, no, there's two, yeah. Okay, I was just making sure there wasn't another one not after the current. ex-husband. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would strongly advise, maybe let's start on the mother's end. Maybe just no dating. Maybe just, just yeah. wait till the kid's 18. I get that it feels like a sacrifice, but goodness, you've created confusion in this boy's life. I'm not even saying it's your fault. I'm just saying it exists. Right. And, and goodness, we can protect that at all. It might be a thing. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why the... Why the biological wants to distance from the ex-husband. Like, I get that they're not together anymore, but I wonder if there's more than that. Like, if there's a reason that there's... Obviously, there's a reason she's he's the ex-husband. I would assume, like, I would assume the, the, the um, bio dad is, is well aware that the kid is attached, perhaps more so than to the Yeah, I was going to say, maybe it's a threatening dad. feeling. Yeah. Uh, but the bio yeah. dad didn't stick around. Right, exactly. If he's not nearly as involved as the ex-husband is, like... Yeah, you've really put yourself in predicament. Yeah. You, you really have. Or, or uh, I suppose, uh, Mom, I think we recognize you are in a predicament. Okay, yeah. Whether, whether you've put it, done it, or these fellows that's have fair. done it, or everyone's equally culpable, uh, this is in a rough spot, and it's really unfortunate that that's the case. I say, I say go with the one who acts most like a father. Yeah, there's no reason that you can't keep both still in the child's life. Yeah. Like they, at least, at least from the information we have right now, there's no real reason to distance from either. The biological father wants to now have a relationship with the kid. Great. He can't take back the six years that he didn't by trying to push away the ex-husband. Uh, it, it makes more logical sense that that's the situation. Now that the biological wants to get involved, he doesn't want to feel threatened yeah. by the ex-husband. He needs to realize that part of this, being a good father as, as best as you can in this situation, is to... You know, keep the kid in a place where he has relationships that mean something to him. If the ex-husband has is in a relationship that means something to the kid and they're close, don't rip that away from a six-year-old. Like that's that's a yeah. rough time to like lose a father figure. Yeah. I, I mean, think... there's never a not a rough time to lose a father figure. Right. That's very important. I can't imagine either one grader. has much influence, and neither one are at home. I mean, not anymore. Much I time, I right? Like I can they... understand like custody time is going to get weird, but like. That doesn't yeah, he, mean distancing entirely from any situation. Like you, you work it out, you co-parent between the three, and figure out what that looks like. If anything, I'd be weary of the biological trying to come back in at six, and just now 
try to develop a relationship. Yeah, I want to know: Is he paying child support? Is he? Is he? I mean, is he just trying to? I mean, cut that guy off. I mean, right? Like, (laughs) I can't imagine being a six-year-old and having like a a, my biological father come back to me and now wants a relationship. Yeah, it's not his business. I mean, he, he gave that up. Yeah, I mean, it's not. It's not clear how. It's clear they got what that they weren't either weren't married or got divorced early with a bio dad. It's not clear that how close we just know that the um, uh, the now ex husband is was closer. Right. So the bio dad could have been around. Um, yeah, that's just, true. We just know that. Um, either way, I, I guess I'm just getting this sense of like um, of how often women end up having to be a gatekeeper like this. That's terrible. Yeah, that's terrible. And like. Um, between t- bickering dudes, uh, and I, I, you know, whatever the, the 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 ex-husband seems like, like he might be an all right cat, but like even have to go through this and be like, I will or will not allow so and so to see their son, or like have to decide I don't want to make this guy mad one way. There's like oh, the right. whole thing is just disappointing, boys, yeah. fellas. I'm looking at you, right, right. All right. So uh, so in general, uh, it sounds like our broad our broad sweep is to say um, cutting off seems l- ludicrous, right. Um, the the only reason bio dad says uh, uh, now ex husband dad um, shouldn't be able to see him uh, is has has to be straight up jealousy, right? Because otherwise, like unless it's otherwise infringing on whatever time he might have, but I assume that's garnered by a court order and their divorce agreement or right. a custody agreement, right. and so like unless she's violating the law, um, who she sees. And who the son sees, as long as it otherwise not detriment to his health or life, uh, is not his realm to say. Yeah. And so right. I would say, uh, Mom, I, I, this thinks that it has to be this way, but you're well within uh, your your ability to decide who your son spends time with when he's not with his bio dad. And if that is this cat, because he's a good dude and he's good for your son, um, then I would say go go to town. Right. Yep. What's secular say? Tegler says, the boy's father may sense that his son isn't as bonded to him as he is to his former stepdad, okay, yep. which is why he is saying this. I've always believed that more love and positive reinforcement is better than less. By that, I mean I see no reason why you cannot expose your child to anyone you wish, including your former husband. Because you are confused about what your rights are as a mother, discuss this with an attorney. Did she say that? I think she was more confused from an ethical perspective. Yeah. Than a legal perspective. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I would. Uh, the, the only reason I'd have the legal thing in your back pocket is if Bio Dad's kind of a weasel. Um, right. And is now trying to, like, fight custody for the situation. Yeah. Right? Although, to be honest, like, by the time you're going to that level to say, oh, what does our custody agreement say? Like, you've got a problem that is diff- that is really unfortunate right. already, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's do another one. Uh, Dear Life on the Path, we have some new neighbors, and recently the wife has developed the habit of dropping by. It's becoming apparent that she'd like to develop a social relationship, lunches, etc. But this is not something I want to encourage. My husband and I are extremely private people. We walk nude in front of the windows. No, I, I, I was going to say, you added that, that, right? See if you guys are paying attention. <laughs> like, what? This is why Mike does it. <laughs> I finally established she's a woman. And I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> My husband and I are extremely private people. What socializing we do is with family. We are willing to be good neighbors, but are not interested in further involvement. In fact, we are beginning to view her visits as intrusive. I'm unsure how to approach this without offending her and appearing to be rude. Live from the path, you have a way of phrasing things in a positive manner, and I'd appreciate your insight as to how I can let her know her visits are not welcomed, and we prefer not to establish anything beyond a cordial neighbor relationship. People who are fearful of social situations and offending people, but are also antisocial enough to not want you around in your life, 
are the most confusing people on the planet. Yes. Yeah, man. Uh, uh, hey, I don't want to be rude. Your core position is I don't want to know you. <laughs> right, exactly. I don't want to have lunches with you. I'm a very private person, but I also care about you enough to go, I don't want to say something mean. No, you want to make sure you don't look bad and you're afraid of awkward situations. That's what's the situation here. You really feel this way about someone? Tell them. Yeah. It is going to be awkward. It, you're going to look like a schmuck. But you're going to be happier. In yeah, the but end. What, yeah, that's the point. What do you care? This yeah. is what you wanted, right? Exactly. You you are literally solving your problem by doing the exact opposite of what you want to do, because you want to be nice and cordial and things like that, and that will think that will make them think, oh, there's potential for a relationship here that might blossom. But if you're a schmuck and go, hey, I'm all friended up. I don't need more. I don't. I don't. I'm not accepting friend applications right now. We don't want you in our lives like that. If if. If you're gone and you need us to watch your dog, we'll figure it out. But don't pop over for lunches. Don't come hang out. And then you get to be as antisocial as you want to be. Because yeah. that person isn't going to want to be around you anymore. That's right. It's going to get around and say, hey, man, those don't, don't, uh, somebody moves in and say, hey, don't uh, talk to those jerk neighbors two houses down. Right. Hey. Everyone is literally going to go, yeah, don't talk to them. That's right. You've laid the groundwork. You don't even have to do this again. Offend the right person once. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. You don't have to be a jerk about it, but you do have to be honest, right? Yeah, yeah. Just be honest. It's not inherently mean to go, "Hey, we're very private people. We're not really looking for new." If you phrase it like a schmuck, you will. But yeah. like, just be honest with someone. Because the only one bothered about this is is this woman, right? I, I mean, I mean, the other people are just they're just being their normal, friendly right. selves. It's like, well, they'll go to the. You know, they'll go to the other neighborhood. Yeah, I'm then. sure they I mean, didn't move to this neighborhood to find new friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like nobody buys a house in a neighborhood because oh, those people look. I mean, I bet she makes a mean pie. I mean, some people want to have neighbors. That's true. Care but like, about they their... didn't choose this neighborhood specifically for this couple. No, they, it, they, they chose it for the concept of friends, not those two right, people. Right, which as means friends. that they can find it literally to the next door. Uh, yeah, yeah, agreed. Now, I, I might submit, uh, uh, lady, although it is, uh, I understand where you're coming from, but when you say the only socializing we do is with family. Like, I'm just saying, maybe, maybe dip your toe in the water. Right. Might be all right to bring in a friend. Yeah. Go on a lunch every once in a while. You yeah. don't have to meet up every week, but say, hey, Suzanne, do you want to go get dinner? Yeah. I mean, I get it, but that's, it's, it seems like it might be overdone. You could be living, you could be living under a bridge and asking people three questions. You keep this thing up. But they, I, w- I want to know how old they are. They must, I, I just assume everybody's young, but maybe they're retired or something. And- I was going to say, I'm assuming the exact opposite on this one. I'm assuming that it's an older couple. Yeah, yeah. Uh, although if they have kids, they're friends with the neighborhood. I mean. Well, uh, well actually, I, 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 I'm I, going to agree with that I think they're older. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, what's I'm thinking? Lunches. Yeah, who goes I mean, to lunch? Yeah. I got work. That's right. right. Unless you're old. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah I, it, exactly. <laughs> or have a wealthy husband. Here's yeah. the deal, Ethel. I know you're building birdhouses in there. Do you want to have <laughs> lunch? It's like, no. I'd like to continue hey, building man, my birdhouses. I'm leaving. Alone. I didn't think about that. I'm afraid of being old. Once you grow old and you retire or whatever, people will be like, I know they're free. That's the worst possible right? thing that could happen. Right. That's why I'll never retire. Yeah. No, I'm working. I'm working. I'll work a part-time job till the day I'm dead. Oh, I'll yeah. be the 85-year-old man that's the Walmart greeter. That's my greeter. plan. Just, hey. they're actually, they're phasing out the Walmart greeters, boo. Oh. Fine. Then I'll be the 85-year-old man that's too tough and gritty to leave when they tell me to leave, and I'll just greet everybody at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> I brought this yellow vest. <laughs> <laughs> That's not your business. Uh, Sir, you have our logo on you. Don't worry about it. You could pay me. <laughs> Hi, Sec- Secular says, uh, oh, oh, here we go. Secular says, phrase it this way. We realize you are new in town and are reaching out, but my husband and I are very private people, 
and we socialize only with family. Then suggest some options available in your community that will provide her an opportunity to get involved and meet new people. Doesn't that sound worse? We don't like you, but there's a community center down the road. Uh, I'm not really looking for friends, but have you tried the Barnes & Noble? Have you tried the local pub or the enabling gardens? Holy cats. I don't know why that sounds so ridiculous, but it sounds absurd. To, to facilitate communal engagement yeah, after you hate them. You're new in town. Have you spent time at the Dairy Queen? I'm sure there's people there who are sweet. Yeah, right. There's a lot of annoying folk like you who are willing to gather. All right. What, what, what do you think? Oh, man. So would we, would we leave off the last part? Dan, would you do it? Would you Would you suggest other places to go? Uh, no. That's see, that's no. awful. This is like we don't have, we are not taking business anymore. But you can check the places down the street. Yeah, it's yeah. terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got, I, what is wrong with you, secular? Are you kidding me? Yes, uh, we're you're new in town, and I realize that you seem very interested in a social life. We are not, though. We deal mainly <laughs> with family, which is not you. Uh, Go ahead and head down but, to the rec hall, right, or we, the Elks Lodge right. on Fourth Street. <laughs> we've, we've investigated options for you. <laughs> I'm not sure if you dig it or not, we but the Masonic Temple might be your, a good choice. I'm just imagining an old couple that has that thing that every hotel in the world has. It's local attractions for the hotel. We don't want to spend time with There's you, but have you brochures. heard about the historic caves about 10 miles that way? We stole this to someone who's real interested in spelunking. We stole this from the Ramada. We feel like it would be helpful for you. Have you seen water parks in our area? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, if you have some good opportunity, uh, good options for how other people can find community, I don't care. Please don't call the complaint line, 515-517-0085. If you've got feedback on the show, uh, you loved it, you hate it. Hey, uh, small window to still uh, email Chris Roloff at the Truth Network if you really hate the show. Uh, He needs to know. Uh, that's uh, Chris Roloff. Uh, I think it's C Roloff at WTRU.com. And just tell him you hate the show um, and, and imply that it's his fault. No, that's good for him. And uh, in the meantime, hey, I, so uh, sorry, travel schedules have been real rough. Um, and they're going to continue to be so over the next month, guys. So I apologize that we're not um, broadcasting consistently. Uh, we violated the vow, uh, but that's that, that's life. So um, we will be out of the out of the seat next week and then hopefully back around the weeks uh, to come. In the meantime, uh, please be faithful in the means. God will handle the ends. You've been listening to Live from the Path.